Welcome to the SG Engage podcast, where it's all social good all the time. Sit back and relax as the brightest minds from across the social good community engage with trends, big ideas, and best practices to help you drive impact. Today's episode features a session from BBCon 2020 Virtual, led by Leslie Pinder, Head of Supporter Experience for the British Red Cross, and Lucy Caldicott, founder of ChangeOut. Online communities have never been so important, and these communities offer real support no matter where you are. Together, Lucy and Leslie run the hugely popular Fundraising Chat Facebook group, which has over 14,000 members from around the world. In this episode, you'll learn the story behind fundraising chat as an example of community development, the sector supporting each other, and lessons learned. And visit www.bbconference.com to get information on BBCon 2021, which will feature more great conversations like this one. Enjoy the episode. I'm Leslie, Head of Supporter Experience at the British Red Cross. And I'm Lucy, the founder of ChangeOut. Um, and we're also the co-founders, which sounds very grand. Uh, did we think we were founding something when we, when we said <laughs> Co-founders of Fundraising Chat. And in case you're not aware of what Fundraising Chat is, it's basically a, a Facebook group for fundraisers to chat about fundraising. As of today, we've got 13,925 members but we get around 200 new members every month. So possibly by the time this is broadcast, we'll be at 14,000. Exciting. 70% of our members are women and 80% uh, are aged between 18 and 34. So it represents, I guess, folk earlier on in their fundraising career. But we do have people across all ages on any given day, according to Facebook, we have 5,888 active members on average, which means people have seen the content, um, and 625 posts, comments, or reactions a day. It's no wonder moderation can be quite exhausting. Um, so it's a really, really active and thriving community. Um, and one of the things that I think we're uh, surprised but delighted by is that we have people from 99 different countries in the world on fundraising chat. The vast majority are in the UK, but we have people from all of the countries that are, are coloured blue uh, on, this, on this map, which is kind of cool. So that's what Fundraising Chat is. Um, Lucy, do you want to chat a bit about where it all came from? What happened? Yeah, so five years ago, Leslie and I had already known each other for roughly, I think, about five years. And we'd met on Twitter and we'd... Um, got to know each other through our charity work and started chatting. And um, and in 2015 in the UK, there was quite a lot of controversy around um, fundraising. And some of, so some of the conversations on Twitter were becoming quite problematic. Leslie and I had begun a, a regular, can't remember even what we called it now, but it was like a Twitter chat that we did every week or so. And we, we thought it'd be a good, you know, to have a timed conversation about different topics and, and explore issues. But during 2015, that became quite problematic. There were a number of high profile media scandals in the UK surrounding charities and particularly charity fundraising. So there was a scandal about direct marketing um, and over communicating to donors. There was a scandal about charity um, salaries 
Um, there are lots of conversations about overheads going on in the largely in the in the right wing tabloid press. So it's quite difficult to be talking publicly as a as an individual. And so Leslie and I were meeting over toast, our avocado toast, um, as as we used to in those days. And we, I I just said, well, why don't we take this conversation on Twitter to Facebook, where we could create a private group, and then people might be able to share a bit more a bit more openly. And I think the, the person I, I always have in my mind when I think about who our customer is in the group is, is the solo fundraiser. I mean, there are lots of quite big charities with big fundraising teams, but I'm but by far the vast majority of the sector, the voluntary um, sector in the UK are small charities and they might just have one fundraiser who might even be part-time and do fundraising alongside other. So that was really who I had in my mind in terms of connecting and, and offering support. And so so that was the backdrop. And, and so we, we finished our toast, went back to our respective offices. Leslie what did you do? You set up the group, didn't you? I just made a group on Facebook, called up Fundraising Chat, went to Ride London Expo for the charity I was working for. I think we invited 10 people. And then about two hours later, I looked again and we had about 250 members. So that was a thing. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And I think what was interesting about that was the people that we seeded the group with, which wasn't in hindsight, we can pretend we were being really strategic, but we were people that we knew were already really active on social media and so and they already had really good networks. So we invited them, then they invited people that they knew would, would benefit from it and it kind of it, it grew very quickly from there. It is quite interesting thinking back in hindsight what we did. Neither Lucy nor I are, we're not social media experts or community managers, we're accidental community managers so it's interesting it's been interesting doing this to look back and think about what we did at the beginning that set us up set the community up in a certain way which I think has been what's given it its strength okay yeah. so what, did, what, what are your thoughts on that Lucy and what we did yes I mean I think it's because what we were really conscious of is making this session to draw out some of the lessons that we learned that people could sort of learn from and I think the fact that we both knew each other in a digital space to start with so that's how we'd made our friendship and we knew that our beliefs about digital were, were kind of on a, on a, in line with each other you know we had we had you know some of our early conversations were about what is this thing called social media and and how do we use it and you know and our, our views on that were, were were quite aligned and I think that really helped us because then the network that we began the group with sort of shared that initial ethos and um and I think one of the things that 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 has done is it stood us in good stead as we grew because when we began we let people join that you know their friends were joining we did we weren't policing that there weren't rules um it was just an organic group and and as we know uh, other organic groups are deep you know can uh, have problems and so um i think the some of that shared ethos from the beginning um meant that we we were able to kind of that that foundation of trust really helped us build the positive group that it that it's become but but then as 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 it's grown i think you know we 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 then you know i th- i think you leslie you know we remember we were in a conversation like i think we might have tonight have some rules and um and maybe you can talk a bit about our, our first toe in the water of rules 
Yeah, it was funny looking back to see because we set the group up in 2015 and I think we had sort of guiding principles that we had kind of discussed in the group that had come from open conversations. One was around um, a, an early debate um, was around whether we should or shouldn't allow suppliers to join, so people who didn't work directly for charities. At the time, I think both of us, I think I'd literally just left to become a consultant, so it was... For us, we're like, well, if, if that's the case, we'd have to leave. Um, but also, so we had some quite clear decisions were made that our suppliers, consultants, freelancers, our partners in fundraising and are as passionate about fundraising as we are. So why would we exclude them? So that was a decision we made. We made it very clear that it was not a platform to be used for marketing. And, and that, I think, has been the number one rule that has kept fundraising chat as it is, which is to, for fundraisers to talk about fundraising. So people were not allowed to sell, were not allowed to use it um, to self-promote, which is harder to, you know, when it's just people self, like doing their, their personal brand, it's harder to see when people are doing that. But those, those sorts of things, we kind of had discussions, but we hadn't ever really formalised them into rules until it started to really grow. I think it was probably when we we're at the sort of five or 5,000 members that we, we put in rules um, number one was fundraising chat is not a marketing channel and it's not to be monetized in any way by anyone, including us, much to my other half's upset. <laughs> so you've got 14,000 members, you should be making money from this. But that was never what it was for. Um, and also uh, rules around, we got lots of jobs getting started to get posted directly onto the, onto the group. So we created a jobs thread to kind of contain that. We created an events thread to contain that. So we started to just put some formalised sort of rules and structures in place to, to, to keep the actual conversation being about conversation. Um, and the rules have been really important for us as well, both in terms of giving us sort of clarity about what is and isn't OK, but also for the group to know that there are some rules um, sitting behind it. And then also we brought in moderators and um, we brought in three additional moderators to support Lucy and I. And... And obviously, when you have moderators, you need to have a kind of framework for everybody to moderate upon. And um, so that really made a big um, that made a big difference, I think. And we, we, you know, when you join the group, you have to say that you abide by the rules. But I think one thing we've realised is that people often just tick the box and maybe don't necessarily read the rules. So we do every now and again have to remind people like. Uh, and, and one of the ways we do that is by saying we've just had to delete a post or we've just had to remove somebody. And this is why. Um, and try and be as transparent as we can with the group. But I mean, touch wood, we've been we the group itself has has kind of really self moderates. I think that's one. And we were reflecting on sort of why that is. And I think largely because some of those early rules would were discussed and explored with in dialogue with the group members. So there was a lot of co-creation of the group to begin with, like what's this space for? What should we use it for? And 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 we discussed that openly with with group members. And so that means that I think the group members take quite a lot of responsibility themselves. So they report posts that transgress the rules to us. So so that makes it easier. And and quite often if 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 discussions are getting a bit edgy people will start to kind of tone it down you know and we'll, we'll be in the background sort of think well should we intervene and then actually it's been policed itself by the group so that's been something that you know as the community has developed and, and grown in confidence I think that's that's been something that's been that's been quite interesting but I, th I think had we implemented the rules just ourselves there wouldn't have been that 
you know buy-in in the in the way that uh, in the way that there's been I think the other thing about you know bringing in more more admins um, to support us has been to kind of share the responsibility because it's you know 14,000 people you know when somebody does a break a rule and we have to you know we have had to remove people that you know they there it can be come back but luckily because we've got the five of us discussing like well should we remove this person or you know then we've got a kind of a a, a trail um an audit trail if you like that we can you know that kind of protects us as much as anything in terms of making making those decisions so so yeah so that's so so you know as as he said in the infographic it's a very busy bustling group and, and as you scan down the posts you know there's very few that don't have comments on them you know it's a really engaged community with one of the things that as you know that really struck me early on was you know people you know that solo fundraiser that I mentioned who's you know looking for the best uh, a recommended t-shirt supplier for an event they've got next week you know posting that and then some very eminent guru from the world of you know for, for a very senior fundraising professional sort of sharing their 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 tips on where to buy the best t-shirts so sometimes it's very you know it's a very democratizing place isn't it I wonder should we talk a bit about what we think of the future for fundraising yeah chatting? might take it yeah absolutely i think what's what what is has been interesting just on that briefly is the the, the benefits and negatives of facebook um negatives being it's facebook and there's been often i've wanted to remove myself um but fundraising chat keeps me there but one of the benefits is your job title isn't on your on your name so it is very democratizing and as we move forward i guess in the last few months especially with coronavirus and you know the the power of peer support has become even more valuable, and and seeing seeing people set up furloughed fundraisers groups and community groups, and places where they can support each other when potentially the sort of maybe the more formal structures, formal bodies aren't able to move as quickly. I think that's been something that I've found quite inspiring, and as a personal lesson, I suppose one of the things I've I've had to learn a lot is just about letting go a little bit and letting the group lead itself and I said I hate conflict so I'm forever hovering on a topic that looks like it might start kicking off and then actually realizing that the conflict and the debate is a, as long as it remains civil and everyone is cool to one another which is one of our rules that debate is important and it's brilliant to have this sort of practical tactical support around where to get balloons and how to write a how to write a, a press release for a community and event you know that is brilliant, but it should also be a space to debate some of the bigger issues around fundraising. And if we over-moderate and over-control that, it makes people afraid to, to debate and discuss. And when people do tip over the edge, then often people, the members themselves, will point that out. And if if in doubt, they flag it to us, and then we then we can take moderator actions. But yeah, I think the, the last few months have shown us a lot about, about what, what fundraising chat can be and mean. And I think there's been a lot of, I mean, we'll, 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 I guess we'll touch briefly on Black Lives Matter, which is different, but for, there's been a lot of, sort of campaigns in the sector recently around like salaries and recruitment. And I think what we're keen is that the fundraising chat is a space for everybody to discuss and, and share and for us to amplify those campaigns. 
but it was never set up as a campaigning group. So it's a really hard balance to 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 make. Lucy and I are both big change. Like we like making change and we like improving the sector. So what we're we're in this space now is like, what is the role of fundraising chat in mo- in driving positive change in the sector? And how do we do that in a way that doesn't feel like people are are now in a group that they thought was about just chatting with each other? That's become about that's become like more political with a small p. The one place where we didn't have any discussion and debate around that was was when it came to Black Lives Matter. And Lucy, put, you put up a, a, a statement pretty much straight away about that. So I wonder if you want to just to share a bit about what how we took our position in that situation. because yeah, yeah. as, as Leslie says, you know, we hadn't set this up to be a campaigning sort of effort you know it was simply a forum for people to connect with each other and, and have conversations but when you've got something like George Floyd's murder and everyone's talking about that in every other space it felt completely negligent to not do something in fundraising chat and we've got to remember we've got thousands of members in there and I was really keen to ensure that every single member in there felt safe that it was this was a safe space that they you know that we had their back so so I put you know I put up a, a post and we were discussing it in the background you know well is, is this should we do this whatever and it's like well yes yes we should and I'm really proud it's been our most liked post I mean and to be honest I, I didn't allow comments I just put this is our statement from the founders and admins and obviously you know we agreed it as the five of us you know about um you know we support um the Black Lives Matter movement this is a you know important debates that are going on and I'm you know I'm closing this to discussion this is the space that we are and we we've got something like 620 likes or something which is the most liked or loved or whatever um sort of post so I, I was proud of the community we've built really I think you know that there is a safe space that, that kind of shares our values that and that and I suppose that experience the experience of COVID and the, all the different supports that have gone on I think the spin-off groups that we'll never know about you know this have the relationships we'll never know about that have come you know come to for you know come to uh, form as a result of the group is 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 something that's really special so I think that that experience you know then we sort of think well what then where next you know what does the next five years hold in terms of where we go and that's where we start to think about you know change making and discussing mm. and I've often used it myself as like a bit of a barometer of what's going on you know what people are thinking about and, and that's quite interesting but you know I think as, as as time goes on we you know we may want to use the group to do you know, to do the thing we said was banned, <laughs> but no, to, to kind of, you know, to take it forward in a more change-making, um, change-making way, perhaps. Yeah, and I, I was just reflecting what you were saying just then, actually, and I realised kind of there are so many things that we could do with fundraising chat. You know, we we could set up an, an events stream, and you know, we could we could set up Q and A's and Facebook lives and. And and it become a, a kind of a space that that we 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 manage and, and make all those things happen. A we ain't got no time for that because we've got jobs and this is very much a kind of a hobby, an accidental uh, online community hobby. It's not our jobs and and that is both good because we don't we haven't put KPIs on fundraising chat. We aren't enforcing anything on it that we expect it to be. It is for the community and that is it. And that's ultimately, as far as we're concerned, all that matters is that the fundraisers get the advice and support from each other that they need. So we don't have any agenda to, to turn it into a, 
anything more elaborate than it already is. A movement, even calling me a co-founder of something implies that we had some kind of business plan. But a potentially, like, the flip side of that is that, yes, there's loads of things we could do, but we just... it. It's about, I think, from now on is really supporting the community to try and do that themselves rather than it being additional, I guess, additional work for us. But also being pragmatic and thinking, you know, with a group of 14,000 people in a space that we want to feel safe for anyone, is that do we need to look at like the, the diversity of our moderation group, for example? Do we need to do we need to give a bit more, give even more control back to the group, back to the members? I think these are all questions that we're going to have to I think about more and more now, I suppose, as we go forward. But it's I've learned a huge amount. And one of my favourite things about fundraising chat is I looked at the most engaged with posts over the last 28 days. There was a big debate about um, uh, Charity Commission publishing salaries on. So there was a kind of big debate about that. What does that mean? And then there was the jobs thread, which, as you can imagine right now, is incredibly popular. The events thread, which had lots and lots of peer support, webinars, things set up by fundraisers for fundraisers, which really makes me super proud. Um, But then also like random chats about um, what do you do if you've got a giant cuddly monkey? Somebody is like, we've just been given this giant cuddly monkey. How can we make the most money from it? What an amazing place. What a wonderful, wonderful place where you can, at one hand, debate CEO salaries and on the other, talk about cuddly monkeys. I mean, yay fundraising. It's, yeah. it, it, it's a really great space for that. It's, yeah, it's a huge variety. And I think, I mean, I, I think one of the things I've also been quite interested in is, is how we make, I mean, it's, it's very UK centric, isn't it? And that, I think, is a bit of a shame, given that it's, it's a global it's a global resource i mean it's brilliant that we're in in 99 countries but i think to kind of find out ways to push out so that there is there is a more kind of international feel to it would be would be something interesting because I, I how many threads have there been about the london marathon over the last <laughs> few weeks you know because the london marathon was cancelled because it was supposed to be in april then it was supposed to be in october so it's been cancelled again and you know so so there's been a lot of conversation about that so i think i i can imagine that's quite off-putting if you're not in the uk um so so something that i'd be personally quite interested in is how we how we kind of up the ante on on, on sort of a, a more international um space and learning because that's where the learning could come from um yeah and actually speaking of the marathon I, i'm also interested in how collect people that folk chatting about specific things on fundraising chat can amplify can amplify their voices so there was a big long thread about about the marathon and I kind of posted I said hey why don't you guys collectively write to them together about about some of these challenges you're finding because then maybe they might listen so there's something there as well about how collective voices can be louder um, and and supporting each other but again I think the power of fundraising chat and the thing we've learned over the last five years is the community is for itself what it needs it to be at the time that it is that was Mm. a dreadful sentence i think that makes sense like it will be what everybody needs it to be at the the, when whatever's going on and i think for the danger of forcing things onto onto the community is that it starts to feel like a small group of people are deciding what is important when there's fourteen thousand people who can who and on any one day, 6,000 people who can decide what they think is important on that day. And who is it for me or Lucy to decide 
that we think this issue is important. And we did have that early doors when people said to us, can we use this as a platform to promote the this thing? And can we use it for a platform to have this discussion? And you, you should be talking about these big issues and people getting frustrated that they weren't getting the engagement that they wanted on their big debate topics. And I was like, well, maybe that's just because folk aren't interested in it right now. Yeah, you know, and we very much, you know, we had we did have approaches from people basically kind of wanting to turn the group into something else to suit their agendas, and we were kind of like, just go and set up your own group. I mean, this is social media; you can set up your own thing. You know, there's there's a whole world yeah. out there of 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 potential, and, and I and I'm in other Facebook groups where there are very sort of you know sort of rod of iron type kind of admin and moderation. Um, being employed and, and it's really you know and, and you see the moderators kind of in every discussion and we're just not I mean one of the one of the myths I'm going to explode is that you know people say to me often god you must work so hard you must spend so many hours and we kind of it's not really because of that sense of we're we're quite light touch we allow people to kind of steer the conversations and, and we um, so I wouldn't say it is that onerous but but I think that is going back to those kind of early early formative days that it's grown from there and and that is quite you know that has retained and people people tell us you know it's a real kind of godsend you know I'm you know I'm amazed at how you know how much people kind of value it I'm just so proud I think Um, yeah I think as as you said it's when you go back it's at the heart of it is is the values that we had at the beginning which was you know it it shouldn't be monetized for a start it's for everyone. It's for fundraisers. And actually, it's for fundraisers who don't have anyone else necessarily often to talk to. And, and they, they, that's it. They're the two main things. And, and they're the things that we've held, held true to from the very beginning. And everything else has really just been about decent social media behaviour. Like, just mm. be cool to one another and don't name and shame charities. But ultimately, it's who's it for and, and, and why have we set it up? And that's not changed in five years, really. And I don't think it ever will change. And people... Mm. I say people will vote for with their feet. I'm sure there's members that join that don't ever come on, but we are consistently about 6,000 people every day in some way engaging with the content. And that, you know, speaks for itself. So, yeah, it's been, it's been a hell of a ride five years. And this is the first time we've ever been asked to talk about it. So it's been yeah. really nice to yeah. reflect. And we could pretend that all of these things that happened were all done by some grand design, and they absolutely weren't. <laughs> <laughs> but we've just trusted our instincts and our values and listened to people when they've given us feedback I suppose yeah. we've not always got it right I'll say that no, but we've learned a lot as we've gone along and as I say we're super proud of it and and happy to share with everybody yeah. here and if you're not a member come join fundraising chat on Facebook